Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So we're going to be talking about a very important topic today. We're going to be talking about families, families. And in fact, we're going to be talking the title of my message, and I wrestled with this a lot. Um, The title is Decisions of the Dysfunctional Family. Decisions of the Dysfunctional Family. How many of you are like right now, you're like, I can preach this message. I can preach this. The truth is, is you're in good company because every family is a little bit dysfunctional. I remember growing up and uh, my family was nothing short of crazy and, um, and I love them absolutely for it, but we were just a little bit different. I thought that everybody did family the way that we did family. And then when I began to get older, I just realized that that, that just wasn't the case, that we were just a little dysfunctional. But the truth is, is that as I was able to spend some time with other families, I found out too that they were dysfunctional, just in a little bit different way than how we were dysfunctional. So listen, and I want to talk to the young people real quick. In the day of Instagram and Pinterest and Snapchat and and everything that is out there, YouTube, where everybody's opinion is the most important opinion that matters, this is the day in the world that we live in. It is crazy to me when I see young parents, you know what I mean, feeling the pressure of being perfect. And let me just tell you, I'm telling you right now, you're going to get to the end of parenting your kids and you're going to realize that you did some things right and that you also did some things wrong. I'm telling you, I don't care how much you effort you put into it, how hard you try, you will not get to the end of raising your children completely satisfied. And if you don't believe me, just give me a call back when your kids are 18, 19, 20 years old and, and, and they're raised and, and, and you, know, you think that you've done things well and right, you have, but it certainly will not be perfect. And for people that have already raised your children, please somebody say, Amen. You will have regrets. You don't become a perfect parent until you're a grandparent. Right? It's the truth. I am, I am, I am the perfect parent now that I'm a grandparent. Like I have, no, I'm not perfect even in that. But, uh, so we're talking about decisions of the dysfunctional family. I want you to know that dysfunction in the family is nothing new. In fact, it started with the very first family. Adam and Eve had some dysfunction in their family. We find it in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. It's the book of beginnings. The very first family had dysfunction. Adam and Eve had some dysfunction. And if they had dysfunction, then you're going to have dysfunction too. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have a chance. If Adam and Eve couldn't get it right... You're not always going to get it right. There's no perfect family. Today we're going to examine five decisions. Count them, one, two, three, four, five. Five decisions that they made, that Adam and Eve made, that did not help them, but were actually problematic in their own family and still affect our families today. So there were some things that they introduced that are affecting your families even today. I want you to know this, that as a church, 
We desire to be the best support to families that we can possibly be. Our desire is to help the family. Our desire is to help every single person in the family. This is why we put a lot of time, effort, and energy and finances into an incredible children's ministry because we are coming alongside of you which are raising your children in the fear and admonition of God and we are supporting that effort and we're doing the same. I can tell you this, we're not just back there babysitting your children. We're being intentional with the time that we've been given to train them up in the ways of the Lord. This is why we have youth ministry which we send our kids to camp and we support and we throw whatever funds it takes to, you know what I mean, to help our young people live for Jesus in a day that's very difficult to live for Jesus. We've got thriving men's ministries and thriving women's ministries and we we have small groups that we intentionally, every single small group, we have something for marriages, something for the family, you know what I mean, to offer. Why? Because Grace Church believes in the family and we throw a lot of effort into making families better. We believe that no matter how dysfunctional your family is, and some of you, without raising your hand, you're like, no, you just don't even understand. Can I just tell you this? That my family, my personal family, we have, my wife and I, we have been past the 11th hour up to the 12th hour. Like the last, the last, you know, the last, the last leg before we were absolutely a broken family God showed up and began to restore. I can just tell you this, that I love my wife more than I've ever loved my wife. And I love my family more than I've ever loved my family. And I'm grateful that, that we didn't make big decisions in the midst of hardship that, that, would, that would rob from us from, from living the kind of life that we are able to live today. Amen. And so it doesn't matter how dysfunctional, how broken, how messed up your family may be today. I want you to know this, that God has the capacity and also the ability. Somebody say capacity. And he has the ability to heal your hurts and your pains and to turn your family around. So listen, if you're not happy with how your personal family is, I'm telling you, you serve a God that can change the course and the direction. Genesis chapter 3, we read about, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. We read about Adam and Eve, the first family. Somebody say first. We read about how the serpent or Satan deceived them into making choices that even affect us today. And I'm going to uh, make an attempt over these next few moments to bring about five points in the first five verses of Genesis chapter three, ex extract five points out of Genesis chapter three that, that will help your family. Number one, Genesis chapter three and verse one, it says this, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God said, you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or else you'll die. Verse 4, you will not die, the serpent said, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So number one, the first decision that they made to add to them being a dysfunctional family, the first decision they made is they listened to ungodly outside influence. 
And I am blown away at how many people that love Jesus, that love, love God, that are connected to a church, will waste their time and give ear to ungodly outside influence. There are people in your life that you as a believer, as a Christian, there are people that have too much influence in your life and they're not even going the same direction. You have made a decision to walk with God, but now you've linked up and you've partnered with somebody that you have no business partnering with. And the truth is, you're not influencing them. That would be one thing. They are actually influencing you and you're taking steps back and you're taking steps back and it's breaking down and it's hurting and it will continue to hurt. Even if it hasn't shown up yet, it will hurt your family. Your family is going to be the, the ones that, that, uh, that, that, that hurt the most. And so they listen to ungodly outside influence. It says Genesis chapter three, one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals. He asked the woman, did God really say, do not eat of any tree in the garden? And so listen, outside voices are going to cause you to question and doubt the very things that you heard God say to you, the very things that you heard God speak to you. The devil said this, did God really say? So trouble, trouble awaits when you enter into conversation with people that you should not be entering into conversation with. It's gonna end in trouble. So let me show you, and this has played out a few different times. Something like this has played out in this community that I am fully aware of a few different times. This is what it looks like. I'm gonna give you an example, a real life example. Somebody say real life. So a real life example. You've got a coworker, you're going to work every day, da, da, da. you got a coworker and then all of a sudden your coworker and this is a woman and another woman that's a coworker. All of a sudden you're going to work and so-and-so this coworker, you know, has not been happy with her marriage and so she, she leaves her husband, leaves her kids, and, and uh, every single Monday, man, she's got a story, an exciting story, a vibrant story. Man, oh man, you would not believe what it is that we did this Saturday. Holy cow, was it fantastic. Man, I met so-and-so, and he is such a dream. He is, I don't even think they talk like that anymore, but, but he, he's so dreamy, and, and no, they don't talk like that no more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so outdated. I am outdated. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, man, we had so much excitement. We just did this and that, and then all of a sudden, the woman that has a family and and belongs to a church and loves Jesus and all of these great things are like, man, my life's kind of boring, man. My husband, you know what? He hasn't really. He hasn't really just wooed me or, or, or done anything wooed. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. <laughs> and so anyway, this, this, this lady's experience is becoming more and more attractive. And then all of a sudden, a seed is planted in the believer's heart that, wow, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. And... And man, I still, you know what I mean? I deserve a little bit better. I, I need some excitement in my life. And then all of a sudden, because the seed has been planted, you're already heading out the door. You know what I mean? Because you can envision 
from the stories that come through somebody that you should have never been listening to, you can envision yourself come on at the party, yourself by the poolside, yourself having these incredible conversations, yourself going on these exquisite trips, yourself doing all of these things, and then all of a sudden, you start separating from your husband. Next thing you know, I've seen it, folks, in this community. Next thing you know, you're away from your husband. There's a divorce. And there's problems all throughout the family and the kids are damaged and they're hurt. Why? Because you listen to the wrong person. You listen to the wrong voice. You listen to an ungodly, unfamiliar voice. And this happens. There's so many examples, but I ain't got time to share all the examples. Eve sought out advice outside of her husband and outside of God's instruction. And I'm telling you, outside voices always bring division because you're called to go this way, but yet you see something in somebody else that's appealing and you're like, man, I wish I was like that or man, I wish I could do that. And then all of a sudden, you've got division happening in one person. Like you're called to go this direction, but now you're pulled and now you're not really standing for anything, right? And so it's a very dangerous place to be. See, those people don't hold the values that you hold. They don't live like you. And this is what's crazy is today, everyone outside of your family, what they say matters, and the people that are inside your family, their voice doesn't even matter. You seek advice outside of the family that you belong in, outside of the family that you're planted in, but you don't even consider your own family. You don't go, kids, you don't go to mom and dad that absolutely just love you, that got a plan for your life, that would move heaven and hell, you know what I mean, to help you, to equip you, to teach you, to train you. You're not even going to them. What you're doing is you're going to a friend that has, that they don't even, they haven't even been raised like you, but, but yet their voice is the voice that matters the most. Come on, you're married. You don't, you, you know, you're listening to these outside voices. You're listening to, you know what I mean? Your, your boys that, you know, that, that, that don't even live like you. You're listening to what they have to say and not even considering what it is that your spouse has to say. And so your friends take precedence and they're not even going the direction you are. They take precedence over your, your parents they take precedence over your spouse, and they take precedence over your pastor, the very person that God has given you, come on to help you, to encourage you, to instruct, and, and come along and support you. That's not even a voice that you're interested in listening to. And so this is a great picture of many people in the church. And, and, and I'm just saying, just be careful when you begin to listen to outside voices because you will find yourself in places. And, and this is the crazy thing is we, we say that God is the God that's doing it, but yet everything is done dysfunctionally, out of order. And so it's hard to say, yeah, I can see God all over that. When you know how it is that God works, all right, I've had three kids. I've raised three kids, got some major regrets, got some things that I feel like I've done very well, right? Three kids. I've got one of those kids that it, there was a section in his life, in his, in his life where he would go over to a friend's house and he would say, oh, dad, we've got to do this. We've got to, you know, we've got to, um, 
we've got to buy one of these, or we've got to get one of these, or, or, or we've got to go and do this thing. Well, these friends make a lot more money. Their parents make a whole lot more money than what. And so he's got all these great ambitions and desires. I even got fed up one point. I was like, well, maybe you should just go live with so-and-so, you know? <laughs> But the truth is, is even if I had all of the finances and all of the resources, there are many of those things that I would never do. Why? Because they are living different lives than the direction that we're going. And so just because you have the resources doesn't mean that that's what you should do. And so a great motto to live by is this, that if you don't believe it, don't embrace it. And there's a whole lot of embracing that takes place just because the person down the street or the, 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 the person that maybe you look up to, they're doing a certain thing. And so you're like, well, I got to do that too. And, and, and that just causes, it causes problems and it causes trouble. Number two, I got to hurry up. I got 18 minutes and 21 seconds left. Decisions, the second decision to dysfunction is they disobeyed God's command. They disobeyed God's command. Verse six, when the woman saw, I want to say seen, but when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took of it and she ate it. And I'm just telling you this, that out of this just jumped off the page to me that the devil always uh, or uh, many times appeals to what we see. He appeals to the eye. You know, there are, there are, and I've seen this up close and personal, people 25 years, 30 years married. Let me tell you, women and men are different. How many of you know that every single one of you are different? You even look different than how you did 25 years ago. See, women are more realistic about this, but men, even though we put on 62 and a half pounds, when we see ourselves in the mirror, we're just like, you still got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got it. You still, women, you know, and they'll, they'll pull out every flaw and, and issue. But I'm telling you that, that the devil will use something appealing. And this happens to both men and women, but certainly a lot of men because we're very visual. He'll put something appealing in front of you that you have no business even looking at it twice. And then all of a sudden a thought enters into your heart and you're like, man, I could, I could. And so you're thinking that that is going to be better than the 25 years that you, 30 years that you've, that you've built something amazing with. And then all of a sudden something enters into your heart and you're, you're going here. And you know what you do? You leverage everything that is valuable for something that honestly, if you were able to get that, Probably not going to happen. But if you were able to get that, let me tell you what's going to happen. A woman 25 years younger than you, you're not going to want what you thought you were going to want. I'm telling you, there is so much difference between your generation and that generation. That is supposed to, she's supposed to grow up with somebody else in her generation. And I'm not saying, if you're married 25 years difference, God forgive me. I'm sorry. Most of the time, you're not going to want that. There, there, I covered my bases. All right, let's move on. I only got 15 minutes and 48 seconds left. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree in the garden you can freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil do not eat. For in that day you will surely, you, you will eat of it, you will surely die. So in Genesis chapter 2, we see the command of God, don't do it. 
Genesis chapter 3, we see the serpent deceiving uh, Eve and causing her to question. And Eve takes of the fruit and she eats it. She does the very thing that God said don't do. I could spend 32 minutes on this next point. Why is it that believers know what God said they should not do, but say, you know what? I'm just going to do it anyway. We would save ourselves such heartache and so much pain and trouble if we would just do what we know that God says to do. But time and time again, we choose to live outside and we're like, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. Man, oh man, do yourself a favor and do what it is that the Lord says to do. And the Bible says then, so she took it and ate, and then it says this. Like, I would like to think that Adam was, was out feeding the goats or doing something, but the Bible says, and she also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Men, he was there too. Instead of stopping her, instead of correcting her, instead of redirecting her, instead of reminding her, instead of leading her, he followed her. And I'm telling you that there is an order. While God loves us all equally, and while there is no male or female, bond nor free, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Jew or Gentile. Come on, he sees that there, he is a God of order. And men, it is our position and our purpose to lead our families. It's not our purpose to follow along with whatever it is that, that we know is against what God commands us to do. And so God gave Adam the command. He should have challenged her. He should have, he should have questioned her. He should have redirected her, but he followed her. But God is the one that gave Adam the command. God spoke to him, yet he followed her. I wonder how many people are listening to the wrong voices, even right now, as we're speaking this message. How many of you have a voice or a person of influence that you know, come on, is not healthy for you and healthy for your family? But yet, sometimes we even find ourselves celebrating that that very thing. Man, I really have missed this. And I'm telling you, if you don't think that the devil can play to your flesh, he can and he will. And, and he'll, he'll, he'll even let it all get along for a period of time and then the wheels will fall off. And what you'll do is you'll find yourself back doing the same things that God delivered you out of before dealing with the same issues. And so your family's survival is dependent on a course correction. Genesis chapter three and verse seven says this, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. So the third thing is, is that they decided to cover it up. We do the same thing. We sin, we have shame in our life, and what do we do? We try to cover it up. How many of you tried to cover up your sin? Oh, I'm just gonna act like that just didn't happen. Anybody ever try that? Go ahead and raise a hand. If the person next to you is not raising a hand, just slip over, grab their hand, help them raise their hand in the air as well. They're deceived right now. They don't understand. Every single one of you have tried to cover your sin up. Every single one of you. I remember Stetson, my first grandson's five years old right now, love this little guy. I remember when he was about two or three years old, I taught him how to play hide and seek. Taught him a lot of things, but hide and seek is one of the things that we just sure had a ball doing. And he was so funny at two or three years old, 
He'd be like, and I don't even know if he could talk that great, but he's like, okay, I seek, I seek. And, and, uh, and he'd say, okay, it's my turn to go hide. Close your eyes. We'd be sitting on the couch right together. Boom, couch. Okay, grandpa, count, count, grandpa. And then all of a sudden, he would just lay down, little booty in the air. He would lay down like right next to me, kind of in a fetal position, but his booty's up in the air, and he'd put a blanket over his head, and he'd be like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come find me. And of course, as a good grandpa, I would get up. I'd like, are you behind the door? I'm go through the whole house. Are you under the bed? But how crazy is that? As a child, we think that we're hiding because our head is covered under a blanket. And that's where he was at that at that point. But that's how foolish it is when we try to hide from God. Come on, he knows not only every, not only does he see everything that you do, he knows every thought that goes in your head. He is all knowing, all powerful. He is every place. Amen? You can't hide from him. So stop trying. God's gonna notice. He sees all and he knows all. Proverbs 28, 13. 10 minutes, 9 seconds. God says, if you cover your sin, you will not prosper. But if you confess it and forsake it, you'll have mercy. See, sometimes we have no problem. We're caught in sin, confessing our sin. But the Bible says to confess it and forsake it. Then we will have mercy. Like the sin that we're in, the idea is for our heart's desire to change. It's like, God, please forgive me of this. Help me now to come out from walking in this, in this mindset or in this addiction. And, and sometimes it's a process. So also, as long as your heart is, God, I don't want this thing to, to trap me any longer, God understands that some things take a little bit of time. But I'm telling you, he can deliver you and he will deliver you from even thinking or some sort of an addiction or something else. And so... The Bible shows us to cover our sins stunts our spiritual growth. Some people are not growing spiritually. You're like, man, I haven't heard from God. Haven't You're not growing because you've covered your sin and not dealt with it. But if we confess it and forsake it, there's mercy. So what does covering our sin look like? It looks like lying. It looks like half-truths. It looks like erratic behavior. It looks like isolation. It looks like separation. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Then the man and his wife, they heard a sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man. Why does he call to the man? Because that's who he's been dealing with. Where are you? Adam, where are you? So when God asks you a question, please know this. He knows the answer. He just wants to make sure that you know what the answer is. Number four, the, the fourth point, the fourth decision is they hid from God. They were ashamed and then so they separated. We do the same. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it is amazing sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes when people don't come around many times, not all the time, but many times it's because they're, they're partaking and they're doing things that are sinful. And so they want to separate. It's, 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 it, they don't like the confrontation. They don't like what the Spirit of the Lord begins to do in our lives when we're in His presence. And I'm just telling you this, that you can run, but you can't hide. Can't hide our actions. We can't bury our feelings. We can't 
hide our emotion. God sees all. Psalm 139, verse 7, where can I go? This is David saying this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and to preach against the sinful way that they were living. You know what he does? Nineveh's this way. God, go to Nineveh. Tell them to change their ways. He turns and he goes towards Spain. He gets in the, in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and gets thrown overboard and, and gets swallowed by a fish. You know this in 2021, true story, Google it. There was a man that was swallowed by a whale. So many people are like, ah, oh, that Bible's crazy. That would never happen. That happened last year. That happened last year. Google it. Google won't lie to you, I promise. So the next three days, this man, Jonah, is evaluating his life decisions. And maybe you're in that belly of a well. You're in a, in a place where no life is coming forward, but it just seems like you're surrounded by death. And I'm just saying you can come out of that place. No matter how far we run, when we confess our sin to the Lord, there's always redemption. Number five, and this is the last one. I got five minutes, 56 seconds. They began slinging mud. They played the blame game. I'm not a counselor, never been to an ounce of schooling for counseling. I don't profess to be a counselor, but we have helped droves of people in their marriages and in life by doing two things, sharing God's word and sharing personal experience. And then also realizing that the counselor that I have inside of me, even though I've never been through an, a, a bit of schooling, I got the Holy Spirit in me that leads us into truth and understanding. And it's amazing how sometimes that can help folks. But it's crazy when husbands and wives are at odd one with another. You can almost bet that in most situations, there's going to be some blame game going on. Well, man, I did this because she did that, 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 that. And then she's like, well, I've done this because he's done that, 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 that. And we just continue to sling mud at each other. Genesis 3, 9, they're hiding out. Verse 9 says this, but the Lord God called the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid and I was naked, so I hid. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me, that you put here with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. So I want to pause just right there. Adam is having a conversation with God and he says, it's the woman's fault. You know the influence that a woman has, God, right? Like, you know just how, you know, she tricked me into doing, into doing. So immediately he's shirking his responsibility and he's saying, listen, it's the, it's the woman's fault. But this is the other thing, too, and I'm going to hit you real quick, guys. There's a shift in our culture, but we got to stand for the truth. Men, you are called to be the leader of your home. 
You are called. I don't care what culture says, but this is the deal. Men, we have shirked our responsibility far too long. And now women have been positioned and placed because they want their children to be raised in the fear and admonition of God. Somebody's got to step up and women are doing that. Let's take the position back. And it's not a matter of being dominating. And, but listen, it's just a matter of covering it's a matter of saying listen this is where we are going as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord we're going to make god a priority amen we're going to put god first and i'm telling you that your families are going to thrive when men take that place in that position i know many men are i'm not trying to beat up on men or or make anybody feel bad but if you're not man take take the position that god has given you amen It's crazy. Adam then comes close to blaming God for his disobedience. He says, God, it's your fault, really, is what he's saying. It's the woman that you put here with me. What nerve, amen? That's crazy nerve that he has. Eve is no better. God's like, hey, listen, he says to the woman, what have you done? She said, the serpent deceived me. So it's the serpent's. It's not my fault. It's not his fault. It's the serpent's fault. So today, everyone blames everyone else for their actions. Can I just tell you this? That your actions are not your daddy's fault. Your actions are not your mama's fault. Your actions are not your husband's fault or your wife's fault. Your actions are not that, you know, your, your, your mom, because you got hand-me-downs, was always stuffing you into too tight of pants. You know, you, you, it's not because you were breastfed too long or too short. Everybody on the planet is pointing fingers as to why they are the way that they are. And I'm just saying that, listen, you have God that gives you instruction. Quit pointing the finger at everybody else. Everybody in this room has issues. There is nobody in this room that doesn't have issues. Don't be a person that blames your issues on somebody else's issues. You have a God that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You've got the word of God, which is the instruction manual, come on, for life. You've got the Holy Spirit in you that leads you into all truth and understanding. But yet we always just want to just, we, I'm, ah, ah, ah. we never want to take responsibility for where we are. Stop it. Stop it. It's always somebody else's fault. These folks we're dealing with the same thing. Well, it's got to be somebody else's fault. Why is that? Because it can't be mine. I can't have some growth and some, some things that I have to do. And I'm just telling you this, that God's way is best. Listen and obey. Listen to this story. And I'm, I got 53 seconds left. I'm not going to make it, but I'm going to be real close. Listen to this. This is a story about four people. One of them is named everybody. Another is named somebody. Another is named anybody. And another's name is nobody. This is the story. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. This is what the blame game looks like. We're always just finger pointing. We're always just, you know, it's always some other reason. And we're not taking responsibility for ourselves and our own actions. 
This is lack of ownership in the family. Lack of ownership never fixes anything. All right? The good news is this. Only 17 seconds over. That God has provisions for our brokenness, for our mistakes. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Thank God for forgiveness of sins. Thank God for grace and mercy. But I'm telling you, we can help ourselves by looking at the very first family, the family in Genesis, that was dysfunctional. They had their own dysfunction. We can look at them, and we can learn from them, and we can say, while they probably did so many things right, we're going to look at the things that were where they came up short, and we're going to do those things differently. Amen? Can I just tell you this? Look at me, everybody here. I want you to just really hear this. It's really simple, but it's so true. Before you were broken, which you're broken, before you were broken, God had an answer for your brokenness. And in fact, I'll even say this, before you were born, God knew you were going to be broken and he had an answer before you were born for your brokenness. Woo! Don't ask me to say that again. So listen, this morning, if you would like to have prayer for your family, I'm not going to have you come down here, but you're just like, man, oh man, God's stirring me up. I need, I want, I, I need to, you know, the Lord has spoken to me about my family. You're, you're up against a situation in your family that you want some help with. Anything specifically with the family, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand because I'd like to pray for you. All over here, all over, all over. Wow. Excellent. Anybody in the top? Perfect. Wonderful. Everybody, please stand to your feet. Let's go before the Lord and let's receive from him. God, we thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for those that have identified and recognized that, wow, they've got some dysfunction in their family too, as we all do. But God, I believe what you have done and what you're doing is you're showing us how to change some of these things and this has everything to do with just yielding to the Lord and bringing Jesus into the center of our families God we know that your way is the best way but sometimes we're challenged because we want to do things our way and we think that it's okay and it'll work out okay and and sometimes it will but sometimes it's just got devastating effects and there's so much brokenness in our families today not only in our personal families but the church is a family god please forgive us of doing things out of order you are a god of order and design god i'm reminded of what lloyd smith told me years ago i've never forgotten about it he said travis all i try to do is listen and obey what a powerful way to live life to listen and then obey god help us to listen to what the spirit of god is saying what the word of the lord is saying sometimes we're looking for brand new revelation when the word is right there it's right there right in front of us always gives instruction for everything that we could be going through but we want something new maybe because we don't like what that says but i pray lord that we would listen and we will obey and i pray lord for these families 
Some of them may be going through it. Maybe it's that 12th hour, 11th hour. Things are looking grim. Things are not looking good. But God, I pray this, that I believe and I've got great faith that no matter how dysfunctional, God, you can be lifted up and that family can be redeemed and strengthened and the family unit can be saved. Let us be responsible for our own actions. Let us take responsibility for our walk with you and then help our family members also walk with you. I feel like you gave me a word in first service and it really had to deal with the blessing of the family unit, the church together. One of the strengths that you were showing me, Lord, is, is that the great blessing is for us to walk together as one person can keep another person from falling into a ditch. But what's sad, today we would rather avoid conflict to the point that nothing is ever said and both people end up falling in the ditch. God, let us function as a family like we're called to function and that's all in your word. I pray a blessing over these that are here today and those that are online that are really going through it. We ask in Jesus' name that you do nothing shy and short of a miracle on their behalf. And I pray these things believing that what I've asked is going to happen. I have a powerful childlike faith. And I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.